Travel Tidbits podcast, hosted by the agents of Pineapple Escapes. Join us as we discuss the latest in travel news, destinations, and tips for the savvy traveler. After all, travel makes life sweeter. Hi, I'm Christy Shear, travel agent with Pineapple Escapes, and you're listening to the Travel Tidbits podcast. Thanks for joining me today as I talk on one of our tidbit episodes. I will be discussing my recent cruise on the Symphony of the Seas. So I wanted to talk a little bit about cruising on a mega ship. Just two weeks ago, I sailed along with Jamie and her family on the Symphony of the Seas, which is a part of Royal Caribbean. And in case you didn't know, Symphony of the Seas was the largest cruise ship sailing until about a month ago when Royal introduced the Wonder of the Seas, which is now the largest. So when I say a mega ship, here are some of the stats we're talking about for this ship. It's almost a quarter of a mile long. It weighs over 228,000 tons. It holds 6,600 80 passengers, and has a crew of about 2,200 people. So in other words, it's pretty well a small town size. So to be honest, I was a little unsure about how I would like this ship due to its size. Um, In the past, I've primarily cruised on your average moderate-sized cruise ship, and I knew even then it was sometimes the end of the cruise before I could easily navigate um, the ship and find the quickest route to get to different venues or, you know, question, okay, do I go this way or go this way? But with that said, I'm not sure how they did it, but this ship was so easy to get around in. Not only did the layout make sense, but everything seemed relatively close to our cabin. Our room was located about eight cabins from the aft elevator, and we could pretty well be anywhere we wanted with a short elevator ride. Um, And with 21 guest elevators, there was never a long wait to get on an elevator, which was a definite positive thing. Another thing I was a little worried about crowding with the number of passengers on board this ship. But with such a variety of dining locations, lounges, entertainment options, people seem to be dispersed pretty well throughout the ship. The only time I did feel a little bit of crowd was there were a couple nights when they had special themed parties in the Royal Promenade. And there were a lot of people there viewing that. But the rest of the time, people were really spread out throughout the ship, which was nice. I mentioned the Royal Promenade. So they have a neighborhood concept on the ship. And while in my mind, there were three really distinct areas that set them apart from other cruise ships, Royal does identify seven different neighborhoods. So on your typical cruise ship you go on, you enter into an area they usually call the atrium, which is where you're going to find your grand staircase, your glass elevators to the top, kind of that central hub in the middle of the ship. When you go on to the Symphony of the Siege, you enter into the Royal Promenade, and it is the heart of the ship. It's a huge area with multiple restaurants, bars, retail shops, guest services, and that includes Starbucks and a couple of their famous bars, which are the Bionic Bar, where you can use a screen, a touch screen to create your own drink of choice, and it's made by 
robots, and also the rising tide bar, which moves from one floor to the other while you're in the bar or on the bar. I'm not sure how to say that. Well, um, Royal has these seven neighborhoods. Like I said, there's three that are different. The others are pretty common, such as the youth zone, the pool and sports area, the spa area, and the entertainment area. One of the other unique neighborhoods is Central Park. And with over 22,000 live plants and chirping birds, this area has restaurants, bars, live music some of the time. It has an open top and there are actually balconies for rooms that face inward over the park. This is a really relaxing, quiet place to get away with park benches throughout, a really nice touch. Another neighborhood setting was the boardwalk. And this is an open area again, and it has a full-size carousel, an arcade, restaurants, a sports bar, ice cream and candy shop. Again, you could get rooms with the balconies overlooking this area. And it was just a, a nice change from what you typically see on a cruise ship. There was never an issue finding something to do on Symphony of the Seas. And even with that number of people, there didn't seem to be lines for most of the things. There were shows which included singers and musicians, not only in the main theater, but throughout the ship and the different venues. There were theatrical performances, an ice skating show, comedians, a diving show, so many things to watch and see. There were also many pools. Um, you could try out the surf simulator or do some rock climbing. And there were tons of options for trivia and games. We tried our hand at a few of those. Um, we did a Marvel one. We did Harry Potter, Elton John songs. And it's amazing the amount of knowledge that some people have about specific subjects. It makes you realize all you don't know. So we, we didn't excel in that, but we didn't do bad either. We were kind of middle of the road. The other thing for cruise ships, as we know, there is never a shortage of food. That's not a problem on a cruise. But Symphony of the Seas had 22 different restaurants, and nine of those were included with your price. The remaining were an additional fee. So two of my favorites were Sorrento's, which was located in that Royal Promenade, and it was the pizza place. So at any point, you could go through the line and select your pizza that you wanted. A lot of times, cruise ships will have those up on the pool deck or something. So it kind of seems like after you've watched a show or done something like that, it's kind of a trek to get to that pizza place. But this was in a really central location. I found that to be very, very nice where it was. The other one was El Loco Fresh. That one is on the pool deck and it had amazing fresh Mexican food. One that you could kind of create your own dishes, add what you wanted to the different shells or chips, things like that. I usually don't do the specialty dining, but my husband and I did do dinner at Wonderland, which is an Alice in Wonderland inspired restaurant. So the magic begins there when you walk in with just the decor that's in the room. You're given a paintbrush that you paint on the menu to reveal what the menu is. And the menu is very interesting. It includes elements from the land, the sea, the air, and 
it's presented very creatively, and it also is using the latest molecular gastronomy techniques. So very, very interesting food. And I have to admit, I was more of a fan than my husband. He's a pretty steak and potatoes kind of guy, not too adventurous, but I loved it. I thought it was a great experience. So overall, I highly recommend trying out a mega ship. It's filled with things to do with experience, but there's also tons of quiet places. You can relax, get away, enjoy a good book. So it's kind of a great balance. Whatever your preference is or your mood is at the time, you can find that. I think it's just a great option for anyone and a whole family when you have a lot of varied interests. So thanks for listening in to the Travel Tidbits podcast this week. We would love to help you start planning your next vacation. Email us at info at pineappleescapes.com to get started. Thanks and have a great day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Travel Tidbits podcast hosted by Pineapple Escapes. Travel makes life sweeter. Let the experts help you plan a vacation with lasting memories. We'd love to help you plan your next vacation and have you join our community. You can find us on the web at www.pineappleescapes.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Pineapple Escapes. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.